My friend believes in the great replacement without realizing how do I convince him out of it? Um, that is an unfortunate reality for many people. The best thing to ask people when they believe in the great replacement is why they believe uh, people are being replaced and who they're being replaced with and what that replacement looks like. And they'll often say white people are being replaced. That's the entire point of this, right? Legacy Americans is what Tucker Carlson says, but they'll usually say it's white people at the underlying, and like the, the ultimate people that are being replaced are the white people. There is no such thing as white people. I'm white. My skin is white there is the paleness of your skin that makes you white which is like what we see and what we think of when we think of white people but the real white people concept is a political one one that was deliberately crafted to justify racial subjugation to black people it comes all it started all the way back uh, with the one drop rule in an effort to make sure that there was a differentiating factor between the people that were being subjugated between the people that were forced into slavery because if you recognize that the people that you were enslaving were real human beings then all of a sudden that gets into tricky moral territory for a lot of people who are going to say, uh, that's not a good look, sweaty. You're kind of enslaving human beings. That's where whiteness comes from. And I'm not talking about whiteness like I'm white, you know, the pale, my pale skin. I'm talking about whiteness as a dominant political faction. When people talk about white, there's two different kinds of white. What I'm specifically talking about is whiteness as a political tool, as a political concept. It is one way to conceptualize power. And that's precisely why that in-group, because it's uh, because whiteness is only defined by what it's not. Whiteness is only defined by its proximity to blackness. Whiteness is only defined by capturing power and being the dominant in-group in this circumstance. When people say white culture, that's precisely what they're talking about. That's why there is nothing really identifiable about white culture in particular, other than like memes like, lol, eating mayo, putting raisins in potato salad, that sort of shit, not being able to dance. Those aren't real tangible uh, white culture things. A part of the reason why I also mention this is because there is no such thing as like, I'm a white person and whiteness needs to be protected because you're not a white person. You're Irish. You're not a white person. You're Polish. Every white person in this country pretty much every white person in this country knows exactly what their lineage is. They can trace their ethnicity back. They can trace their culture back to their great, 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 great grandfathers, right? Now, the opposite of that for black culture is not true. That's why black culture is something that is defined, that you can point to, that you can talk about uh, with the, with its art and with its uh, you know cultural signifiers. There are tangible things you can point to when you think about black culture because black culture is rooted within slavery. It's rooted within colonial violence. It is. It was created out of necessity because when black people were brought here as slaves, they were robbed of their own culture and their own language and their own background and their own names even. So they were forced to reckon with that and create their own culture in their shared intergenerational trauma and struggle. That's the main difference between black culture and white culture for the most part. That's why there's tangible things when you think about black culture, but there's nothing really that tangible when you think about white culture. This does not mean that like you aren't white or, you know, when I say whiteness doesn't exist, you can clip that out of context and be like, oh, look at this fucking idiot. Like, look at what he's saying. I'm white, dumbass. But why do you think I'm not white? Why do you think the manifesto uh, writing uh, white supremacist shooter literally specifically had a, a, a block dedicated to how Turks are not white? Why do you think that he mentioned that specifically? because Turkish people are Muslim, so they're not actually technically white. Do you understand? That's where whiteness becomes a political tool. Everybody deep down inside understands that, but it does not change that reality for some reason. But here, I'll give you more historical examples, whiteness being a political concept and one that has expanded throughout time. 
If you go far back in time, you will recognize that Benjamin Franklin famously considered even Germans to be not white. Here, here is the passage, the swarthy Germans passage from Benjamin Franklin. I read this yesterday. Why should the Palatine Boers be suffered to swarm into our settlements and by herding together establish their language and manners to the exclusion of ours? Why should Pennsylvania, founded by the English, become a colony of aliens who will shortly be so numerous as to Germanize us instead of our anglifying them, and will never adopt our language or customs any more than they can acquire our complexion. Which leads me to add one remark, that the number of purely white people in the world is proportionally very small. All Africa is black or tawny. Asia, chiefly tawny. America, exclusive of the newcomers, wholly so. And in Europe, the Spaniards, Italians, French, Russians, and Swedes are generally of what we call swarthy complexion. Benjamin Franklin did not even consider, at the time, anyone who was non-Anglo-Saxon to be white. And throughout time, your grandfather or your grandparents were not considered white. If they were Italian immigrants, they were not considered white. If they were Greeks, they were not considered white. If they were Polish, they were not considered white. If they were Jewish, they were not considered white. All of which is now a part of the in-group. If they were Irish, they were not considered white. So, like I said, whiteness has expanded throughout time, and it's even include in it now even includes in the american census data at the very least hispanic people as well and i don't mean spanish people from europe but hispanic people who are descendants of uh of, of spanish people who have mixed with the indigenous populations in latin american countries there is a concept such as white hispanics in this country even hispanic people once again for a very long time would not have been considered to be white are now considered white so the reason why I'm mentioning that is because that concept is expanded. But usually under fascist leadership, because of the way fascism operates, because of the way white supremacy operates, that concept shrinks. Okay, so if you think you're in the comfort right now of, of uh, living in the imperial core, being considered white, think again. That will shrink. That's why the Aryan concept that Hitler was advancing was getting smaller and smaller to define the Ubermensch, a blonde, blue-eyed person, which, ironically, Hitler himself was not uh, even a part of. So that's just how fascism works. That's just how fascism always has operated. There's never going to be an endpoint, a logical endpoint. It's just going to be more and more insular with like a smaller and smaller group of people within the in-group. <sighs> so that's, you know, that that's something to consider, something to understand. Uh, I hope that is a little bit more helpful in your understanding of how whiteness has expanded throughout time. But uh, ultimately, it's not a real concept. It's just power. Just a group of people at least have some level of proximity to power. Now, of course, there are things that are more significant than whiteness when uh, defining power because we live in a capitalist organization of the economy. What does that mean? Say, Hassan, I'm white. Uh, Theo Vaughn, for example, has a very funny bit about this. He'll say, you know, actually, you know what? I'm going to show you that bit really quickly to describe to you that class sometimes, or in most circumstances, actually, completely overrule or supersede your uh, race, okay? City in my neighborhood. Diversity is always people's talking about it. And we didn't have it. You know, my neighborhood was poor black, poor white. That was our neighborhood, you know? So I didn't feel any white privilege. I know some people had it, man, you know? I knew some motherfuckers with sweaters. <laughs> but I was two tank tops in the winter, okay? <laughs> and I just didn't feel it, you know? I wish I'd have had some white privilege, dude. Sign me up. But I didn't have it, man. It was just poor black kids, poor white kids, man. And my poor black friends would always be like, man, look what you did to us. And I'm like, dude, do you think I would do all that shit to y'all and then move right next door, bro? 
Now we gonna split this plum or not, dog? So that's a that's a perfect example. It's a humorous example of like literally fucking describing the fact that class uh, will supersede race in a lot of circumstances. That's why, especially now in the United States of America, obviously Oprah is a billionaire. She's a black woman and a billionaire, and is significantly more fortunate than obviously a white homeless person. Right? Class is more important than race in that situation. So I'm not saying that this is a this is a concept that you need to understand about intersectionality. Okay. Okay? This is where you lose the libs. I don't care because it's really fucking annoying. Now, this is also, even if you look at the most liberal of historians, uh, specifically black historians like ta Coates, the concept of uh, blackness has always been weaponized to destroy class sol solidarity, specifically in the Reconstruction era, in the aftermath of the abolition of slavery in the United States of America. Because poor white people that were just as abused, obviously not as abused, but poor white people that were also exploited by rich white people, for the most part, were made to think that at least they were not black and therefore they were in a better position than someone else. It's always better to be able to punch down to someone because ultimately you're like, hey, I know I'm getting fucked over by my boss here. I'm losing my fingers or whatever, but ultimately at least I'm not a black person, right? That is the way that our rulers, our oligarchs, have historically been able to divide us and stop class solidarity from ever... Uh, being achieved in any meaningful capacity. There's also less resistance when you punch down and it makes you feel better, right? This is this is how it works. <sighs> now that we mentioned that as well, because I want you to understand that like, uh, you know, the deliberate purpose of why certain people weaponize this kind of division amongst the working class. Let's talk about uh, the, uh, let's further talk about the great replacement theory that the Republican Party uh, routinely weaponizes. But whiteness is uh, simply just a social construct in the way that we understand it as a, as a political uh, tool. That's precisely why when you think about uh, white people, there were uh, videos that we watched. Remember, ask a white person, like, what does whiteness mean to you? It, people had a really hard time coming up with anything. And it certainly turned into what whiteness wasn't. Whiteness is is not something that is easily definable. And, that, and also the whiteness in and of itself is impossible to defend outside of actual acts of ethnic cleansing, okay? Systemic ethnic cleansing is the only way that you can defend whiteness because whiteness is, is purity. One drop of black blood turns you into a non-white person. That's where the one drop rule comes from historically, right? That's precisely why Barack Obama, who is half white, is not considered to be yet another white president, but instead the first black president. Half white, but no one thinks of him like that. Unless you're Mitch McConnell trying to dunk on him and say that his uh, ancestors, Obama's ancestors, owned slaves, which is pretty gross, but you know, gonna do. Um, but that's it. That's the, that's the that's the entire uh, that's the entire purpose of blackness, and everyone understands it, and that's the entire uh, purpose of whiteness as well. Everyone kind of understands the other side of this, but it feels like uh, it feels like something that is just the norm, and that is because white supremacist attitudes are the norm. They are the norm. They are a part of the foundation of this country. That's why all of our founding fathers owned slaves and maintained that, regardless of how you are educated in your schools. You know, it's a complete fucking fabrication and a lie. It's it's impossible to shake off because any kind of any kind of push that you make to adequately describe America's racial subjugation of black people 
brown people, indigenous people, is met with a fuckload of resistance. They call it CRT. They call it whatever the fuck. And they freak the fuck out on you and say this is communism. Now, the other thing that I want to mention when I'm talking about Tucker Carlson, for example, and his attitude and the great replacement theory and how similar that is to what the, I mean, how identical that is to what the shooter wrote about in his manifesto. I need you to understand that this doesn't mean that Tucker Carlson is single-handedly responsible for it. Now, why? Culture in and of itself is not going to be the only way to activate people into, you know, engaging in acts of violence. That's why there aren't exactly a lot of examples of this on the leftist side, where people aren't turning into fucking communists because they, like, watched one movie. It is significantly harder to change people's attitudes against the system, against the pre-existing social hierarchy, against the dogmas that they have been socially conditioned into believing through art and through culture than it is to lean into pre-existing attitudes. And that's precisely why, for example, Birth of a Nation, which was a movie even played in the White House, reignited uh, the Klan. That is like a calculable impact that a movie had. But if it was the opposite, if it was a movie about like not being racist or some shit, it would not have had that same kind of impact because the structures in the United States of America and the foundations of the United States of America are not founded on anti-racist principles. They are founded on white supremacist principles. They're preservation of slavery, the subjugation of humans. So just remember that when, when, when I talk about culture, it's not individually culture. I'm not a liberal who says like, we need to sanitize our movies. We need to sanitize our language. And that's the only way to combat white supremacy. That is not a white, uh, that is not a way to combat white supremacy in many circumstances. That's actually a feckless way to, to, uh, combat white supremacy. It's not, it's just a it's super individualized. It's hyper atomized and it makes us feel like we have a semblance of power when we're able to impact culture because a corporation listens to us. But ultimately you're not, you're not actually, you're not actually changing anything. Uh, you're, you're just simply so powerless that you want to exert any kind of control over your own life because you recognize that you can't exert any kind of control over the structures. That is what ultimately needs to change. And the only way to change the structures is through class consciousness, instilling class consciousness, building uh, uh, building organizations, uh, organizing your workplace, having some kind of labor power and labor militancy in an effort to push back against your uh, push back against your masters at your workplace, but then also even the Democratic Party to motivate them to do the right thing when they refuse to do so. Th this is all incredibly... This is a, a super long and, and super difficult agenda that has fallen short time and time again. That's why America's unionization rates are dog shit. That's why we have no class consciousness. That's why, you know, 1920s, uh, the 1920s are not all that different from the attitude that we have currently. Uh, Steinbeck famously said, socialism will never work in America because the working class do not see themselves as an exhausted and exploited proletariat. And yet they see themselves as temporarily embarrassed millionaires. Now, that within cryptocurrency, you can see that within every facet of our lives, but so many people on the internet think that like owning their 1997 uh, broken down Honda Civic is actually a form of owning capital, and they are simply temporarily embarrassed billionaires. You know, that Sigma Grindset attitude that meritocracy is a lie, or, or meritocracy is a reality, and that's precisely how they are one day going to make it as well. And when they make it, they want to make sure that like the system is deregulated, not realizing that that deregulation itself is making it impossible for them to have a of upward social mobility. So just understand that it's all interconnected. Okay, it's all interconnected. And so many people personally are, are pushing against their best interests. <sighs>